How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the ChopFit. Over the course of the past year, the ChopFit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SpearChop10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SpearChop10 for $10 off your ChopFit order. It'll change your life. Thank you. How's it going, everyone? Uh, John here, the host of Spear Talk, and today we are welcoming the incredible Tom Matthews to the program. Tom is, uh, for me, obviously his acting skills and all this craziness, but his genre performances in horror and martial arts action movies kind of has blown me away. And uh, you know him as Tommy Jarvis from Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, Return of the Living Dead movies. And some of his incredible martial arts movies, Heat Seeker, Mead Guns, Nemesis, Blood Match, all classics in the genre. And uh, Tom, it's great to have you on here. My pleasure. Good to be here. And so before we kind of get going, I know the last year, your industry, and whether it's the movie stuff or the construction business, but as you had to kind of step back and deal with the pandemic, did you feel that kind of rejuvenated you? Um, or were you like most people kind of scared when it first happened? Like how are you going to kind of adapt to this craziness? Oh, I was, t- I was totally terrified. I, you know, it's the unknown. So whenever you do something new or you never experienced anything, you're always kind of nervous about it. And uh, this was amplified a hundredfold. Uh, so you just, you just didn't know how you could get it. You didn't know who had it. You didn't know if you had it or you could give it to somebody else. If you didn't have any symptoms, you didn't know if you're a carrier or something that just so many, the list goes on and on. Uh, I have gotten my first shot. I went to get in, in the 14 more days to get my second shot. And that gave me kind of some, a piece of, some peace of mind. A lot of people I know have had their shots. Uh, some people I know aren't going to get their shots. So to each his own, most of the people that I know who aren't going to get them are younger and they could probably outright it. Uh, but uh, for me, what it really affected was going to the horror conventions. Those basically just shut down. So, right. That was, you know, that's always fun for me to get out of town, uh, kind of break up my construction life. Uh, and then the, the movie stuff just was dead as well. So if you're, if you were an actor and a waiter in LA, you're dead, you're dead in the water. <laughs> Uh, so I was lucky enough to have the construction thing. We were, we were considered um, essential services. So I was able to get up every day and you know wear the mask and stay, yep. keep, keep, keep our distance and stuff like that. But I was able to get out the door every day and, and uh, had something to do. So that kept me sane and uh, didn't go out much on the weekends. Didn't go out at all. Towards the end of it, we started having people over in the backyard and having dinner, right. sitting around the fireplace and stuff like that but uh, you mentioned yeah. your construction career it's very interesting because was is architecture that type of line of work something you've always liked or is I, it something you kind of adapted over the time yeah well, when i was younger i remember i was in the third grade and we made this paper mache thing and it was a it was a toilet paper roll and you uh it wasn't paper you you make this thing out of paper a toilet paper and starch or newspaper and starch and you design and then you paint it. And I remember distinctively the moment that the, the teacher goes, oh my God, this is incredible. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So uh, <laughs> going forward from then, 
uh, I just, I guess I always had the artistic bug. I, I, I painted oil on canvas and that's, that's an amazing, it's almost like meditation because I've done things where I'll be painting, working on a piece and it, 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 you just get lost. It's, it's right. for eight hours. You're not hungry, you're not thirsty, you're just totally into it. And it's, it's, uh, it's an incredible it's experience. It's uh, even better than meditation, it's creative. And then you go back to it and you think about it and you change it or you add to it or whatever. So that, that's always been fun. And then what's helped me in my construction business of not was painting and knowing colors and design and stuff. But also I did a lot of uh, arts and crafts as a, as a kid. So uh, like I'll work in a historical part of the city called Hancock Park and they'll have a, a particular crown, crown a corbel or something. And yep. I'll make, an, I'll make, an, I'll make a, a latex cast of it and then have a negative and then make a plaster mold of it so I can duplicate it where we're doing the remodeling and stuff like that. So I like to do stuff adding on where it's, you can't even tell it's been added on. It's like it was built in the twenties, like in Hancock Park, most of Hancock Park was built in the 1920s. It was all built big houses for all the executives that lived downtown and Hancock Park was considered, uh, up, you know, out there, out in the boondocks, but in a nice area. So, uh, so that's always fun. And yeah, I, the the craft the 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 arts and crafts thing has served me uh, a multitude of times in uh, my construction business. So it's it's been a lot of fun. It's very creative. I mean, the clients I have are amazing, and most of them you are, you actually did the Ozzy Osbourne house right for the television show. One of the we seasons, did, correct? Yeah, we did the first season of the Osbournes. And if you look at the first season, because we were we were there for six for three months while they were still shooting for six months. Right. So if you go back and look at the first episode, you'll see it. they shot for six months. Okay, they just shot everything. No, nothing was scripted, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So how they made an episode, which was genius on their part, but it must have been 10 editors trying to, you know, they're talking about the dogs. They'll take a piece from a month into it or in a month and a half and then jump back to the month and make, make, a, make, a, make, a, make a, an episode out of it. So it could have been the first sentence could have been from the first week. And then the second sentence could have been from the fifth month. And they, they made oh, it wow. right. for half an hour. It was genius. But if you go back and look at the first episode, there'll be like a close-up of, of Sharon and then it'll cut to Ozzy and then back to Sharon. The, the wall will be a different color because we were there for three months painting and finishing up and stuff like that. So, and Sharon was that. amazing. She's just, uh, I know she's in a lot of hot water right now, but uh she's still an amazing person and she has great amazing taste it was just uh great stuff uh, we cast uh, their daughter's fists in bronze and made him the front door hinges you know oh wow yeah and we cast we cast uh we, we all the knobs are very everything was goth right even the front door peephole was got it was made out of a cross so you'd have to open it was a cross and that was all custom made uh, she brought, she brought, uh, three beautiful boat crystal chandeliers down from, from England. She brought them over. She had them shipped over and she turns to me and she goes, Tom, what do we do with these? What should I do with these? I said, Sharon, let me, let me think about that. So I walked around the house and there, there was this long ass hallway. I said, Sharon, come here. I called over. I said, Sharon, okay, here it is. The Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria. So they're just kind of like going down the wow. river, just kind of, so that was fun. 
She also brought over some uh, tablet, some uh, leaded glass, stained glass of Moses walking down the mountain. They were tall pieces, two pieces. They were arched at the top. She goes, she comes up to me, she says, Tom, what should we do with these? I said, hmm, let me think about it. So uh, a couple of days later, I go, I got it. I said, we'll make doors out of them and they'll be the entry to the game room. So we awesome. made, I took them to my door guy. We uh, had to triple glaze them because the leaded glass in, Cal in LA, anything above uh, 18 inches has to be tempered. So these were longer. So we had to put glass on both sides in case someone, you know, walked through it or anything. So and we made put wallet, made wallet frames and, and a jam and they were the doors to the, to the uh, game room. So that was- I fun. love that. She also came up to one time we were there. She goes, she turns to me, she goes, Tom, can we move the pool? I said, I said, sure, Sharon, we can move the pool. Well, you can't really move the pool, you but throw it up. we've we busted it out. It, depending on what city you're in, sometimes they make you rip it out. Sometimes you can just punch holes in the bottom so the water will drain through and take away two feet of it and then compact it and refill it. And then we moved the pool and we made a great pool. It had a waterfall and had a beach entry where you just walk into it, you know, and Pebble Tech and it was really cool. We made a little grotto. So that was that was really cool. I love that. I mean, tons of it's very creative uh, the way I do it. I mean, I'm lucky. You know, it's I, I I couldn't get up and go to the nine to five thing in an office. A lot of people do, and God bless them. But it just I had to I have to be outside and you know always putting out fires and stuff. I mean, I I used to do a lot of the work. Um, now it's more like you know just creative stuff. I, I've done almost every trade. I know how to do it. Uh, so I recognize people who are better at it than I am, and I hire them. So, right. And I, have a, I have a crew of about four or five guys, and we just run around. We, if the larger jobs, my job is to take care of the job, making sure things get getting done. So I have my guys there. It, uh, uh, it's called uh, uh, project management and stuff like that. So just making sure everyone's there on time and doing their stuff, and tons of paperwork all the time. You know, that takes up maybe you know a third of my time and. Uh, but it's fun and creative. It's fun to see, you know, get the plans from an architect and then go from foundation to finish work and get it all done. My big thing is how things transition to one another, right. you know, make sure you have a little, a certain reveal from a window and before the cabinet starts. And because it's all, at the end of the day, all you're left with is what you see and like, like a movie, right. no matter how you get there. You're only left there with, with what you see it on the screen. So kind of transitioning into your movie career, um, I, I look at it as you have this incredible horror background, this cult status, but then you also this other part of it where it's these really gritty action martial arts type things. So to kind of jump into the horror, uh, one of our followers, Lori, had this awesome question. And she's like, how did you get drawn into the horror genre? Is this something, a movie you saw? Because you're... From zombies to Jason, like that's a wish list for a lot of people. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing what what has what I stepped into because I wasn't drawn to it. Any, I was just a, a young actor looking for a job, man. I was, you know, anything other than porn, I would have done probably. So. <laughs> zombie porn. Yeah, right. zombie porn. Um, so I just I just got I just got lucky. Uh, you know, who knew that Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Was going to be one of the fan favorites, and and um, and then Return of the Living Dead uh, was uh, I lost it. Hang on, one sec. Oh, my son's calling me. Um, I got you. 
who knew that uh, Return of the Living Dead was going to be, become part, part of pop culture because of what Dan O'Bannon had written and, and, and created. I, I, you know, I, I asked people, uh, what do zombies eat? And they'll, and they'll say, oh, brains. And I, I said, have you seen Return of, the, Return of the Living Dead? And they'll say, no. I said, well, that's why you think zombies right. eat brains. It's crossed over. I mean, I'll see it on TV. And they'll have zombies, whether it be real or fake, and they'll be going brains, brains, you know, everywhere, everywhere you look. So um, that's kind of cool. Now, when you film a movie like that, I imagine with all the extras and the practical effects, they are so amazing. That is there a lot of sitting around for you guys? It makes up always and... a lot of sitting around. There's okay. always a hurry up and wait um, for the most part. Unless you're doing like a shooting of five or eight page scene and a lot of dialogue, uh, there's usually a lot of, it's not as glamorous as most people would, would think. There's a lot of sitting around. And during that sitting around time, you study your lines and you kind of make your choices. And if you're lucky enough and you have an actor and they'll rehearse with you, that's what you try and do. Uh, for Return of the Living Dead, that was like my biggest part in a movie that had gotten that time and Dan O'Bannon God bless him. He uh, had us all rehearse for two weeks. We ran all the scenes. So it was just like seamless. I mean, off the cuff, whatever, what, what you think was spontaneous was well rehearsed and, uh, and choreographed. And, and a lot of it, when Jimmy, Karen and I were working together, cause that was most awesome. of our, most yep. of my stuff was with him. We did, we did add, ad lib some stuff. And as I did in um, Friday the 13th, Maggot Head was something I came up with and now, Tuesdays always referred to as maggot head. Come see the maggot. Head. He's going to be in the maggot head costume, you know, at this convention or something. So that was fun. And then Vinny Gustafaro, the, the the deputy in, in, in Jason Lives, he came up with your bang. That was an outlet. And now he's, you know, it's like uh, you can't think of that movie without thinking about your bang. Right. So now, the one thing it kind of confused me, this is when I was younger, when, as Freddie in the first uh, Return it's of the Living Dead. Yeah. You come back years later as Joey in right. part two. And Correct. so I always thought, man, did he live? But I'm like, there's no way. So how did that kind of bring you back into the franchise? Yeah. If I did live, I would have been Freddy. And I would have been a zombie, right? Right, okay. right. So what, what happened was I, I, I was, uh, you know, I've always done carpentry and stuff like that. And I wonder, and I'd be, uh, so that was like my bread and butter doing stuff. And then I decided, someone suggested, why don't you become an actor? So I said, I started studying. So I studied for three years and then I specifically went to work for Laura Mar Productions to get my SAG card. I wanted to do a walk-on. So after about a year and a half, uh, Doris Saba gave me a, a, a walk-on on not uh, Falcon Crest. Yes. Rubbing somebody's back, okay. So that's how I got my, that's how I got my SAG card. And um, what was the question? Sorry. No, we're talking about how from Freddie to Joey, oh, how you had just no, okay. so so I was working at Laura Mar Productions. So, and I had already done Return of the Living Dead and there was a guy in International and I was already talking about, they were already talking to us about doing the sequel. And it was confusing to me too, because everybody died. I mean, you think everybody died, I guess. Right. You know, come up with a premise where we didn't. This Return of the Living Dead 2 was not it. Right. But, um, uh, so we were already talking about it. Jimmy Karen and I were talking about it. And uh, I knew the guy in the international department of Lorimar, because they did films as well. 
And we started talking. He goes, I saw your name and uh, you're doing return. I said, yeah. He goes, you know why you're coming back? Why they're doing, you, you and Jimmy are coming back? I said, no. He goes, the Japanese. Oh, return, wow. Return one was a huge success in Japan. So when you go to make a movie, you have the script and then you sell the rights overseas to get the money to distribute it. So you go to Switzerland, you go to France, you get everyone throws in a little bit of money to get the rights to distribute it. So when it comes out, they have the movie and they can distribute it wherever they want, however they want. They make as much money or a little money if they mess it up. So the Japanese said, yes, we want the rights, but you have to have James Karen and Tom Matthews come back in because we just love those two characters. So that's, that's right. why we came back in, in, the, in the sequel. Interesting, because it always seems like you guys were not on paper like on paper like the actual narrators like the almost like the backbone for both movies it's kind of the interactions yeah. were yes. very yeah. just awesome yeah that now, scene where, that scene in part one where jimmy kills himself and puts his his wedding ring on the thing yeah that, that was all his choice he goes oh dan what if i just see the great thing about dan too it was it was really a collaboration it was a, i mean it's one of my most memorable and heartfelt ex film experiences of, of my life of my career because it was it was a collaboration it was dan's first directorial debut and he was nervous and we talked about we talked it all out he let the actors use you know come up with ideas and and, and, and stuff all i mean it just i never heard no it was always a talk we would do it and yeah maybe if we do it it was never a, a tweaked it a little bit or whatever, but it was always a collaboration. Same thing with Jimmy Karen and I, we came up like this job that, that was a, a line I threw in it at the moment where we were just like insane, <laughs> like this job, are you, are you kidding me? Iconic, <laughs> right. The, just, uh, that was just a react, an honest reaction. Your, <laughs> your, I mean, you mentioned the, the portrayal of Tommy Jarvis and to, to be in a, a sequel, a sixth sequel where it is probably up there with one or two times the franchise, a great movie. How much of Tommy Jarvis are, is, is Tommy Jarvis of you in real life? Funny you ask that question because when I, when I did that role, because uh, Freddie's a character. Yes. And Freddie has a, a punk rocker. You know, I, I had, my hair was long over my ears. I shaved yep. it off, had a, you know, I, I, was be, started becoming attracted to punk rock chicks on Melrose Avenue. You know, it was like, what the fuck's going on? I was like really becoming Freddie. It was like, this, this is so weird. <laughs> so um, Tommy was really close to, to who I was at the time. It was awesome. a I, I pretty much played myself, uh, you know, or, or played myself in that role as I, as I would have reacted in that role at the time. Because I consider myself a character. I, I love character stuff and you know i'd be happy in my whole career if i wasn't a leading man just a character actor and there's got there's plenty of guys who you know yep. do very well and they don't they can go out to dinner and stuff like that they, they don't get you know mauled at right the and stuff like that so, but what's crazy it's though creative, is that it's creative it's different characters and stuff it's just a lot of fun and you're with you've also done the voice for the video game you're doing these crazy shorts based on your character, it's kind of like that world. So it must be really cool that people really resonated with your portrayal. Because a lot of times, I mean, you took over for Corey Feldman, and other yeah. times other movies, whether character, characters grow out of that role. Yeah. You, you've made Tommy Well, Jarvis I was the last guy role. who portrayed. So, I mean, if they would have made part seven, there would have been another Tommy Jarvis, that would have, I don't know, 
pissed everybody they off. They just wouldn't have, right. I, it just, so I was the last guy. So then they went on to seven, eight, nine, and 10, 11, 12. Um, and Tommy was, I was, had some uh, flashbacks in part seven of some clips in part six. So that's how they used my character in that. Uh, uh, but when we, when we, uh, we sh- I got involved with Never Hike Alone, the fan film, yep. two minute fan film. And I saw, I got involved in a weird way. It's a long story, but um, saw it, I saw half of it because they had already shot half of it. I go, this looks amazing. Let's find out. I talked to the, the director, writer, Vincent DeSante. I said, let's find out where I can work in. And he had a paramedic and I said, yeah, it kind of makes sense. So without changing the, 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 the script too much. So we worked myself in and then we, we, uh, we premiered it at the, the Telluride Horror Film Festival, which is a great venue, by the way. Right. If you're ever over there, just go check it out. It was a lot of fun. So uh, we premiered it and, and I was hidden from the crowd and much like uh, the people who reviewed it, they knew I was in it, but were asked not to mention that I was in it so we could get the reaction. And when we were screening it and I showed up on on the big screen, yep. everybody jumped out of their seats and go, fuck yeah, they were like going crazy. And I was getting Facebook messages from people, some of my fans on Facebook, and they were like, had no idea you were in it. I jumped out of my, my sofa watching it by myself. Nobody was around. I felt like an idiot. But I so, love that. It was amazing. So much fun. And then we did Never Hike in the Snow. We brought back Benny Gustafaro. He's now the sheriff in town. He's got yep. all, he's outfitted with all the laser stuff. And we're going to hopefully shoot um, the sequel to Never Hike Alone, Never Hike Again in, in September. So, and that'd be almost almost a direct correlation or a continuance of Never Hike Alone. We're gonna fall back a little bit maybe and you might see my fight scene with Jason that you only hear in Never Hike right. Alone. Right. Now, a little bit. talking about fight scenes, you have this other part of your career, uh, your working relationship with Albert Pugh and yeah. some of the movies you've done I love Heat Seeker. I'm good friends with Keith Cook. And I guess I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. He, Keith Cook's done the oh, show. Keith. Yeah. Uh, I ta- I'm good friends with Olivia Grutter. He's done the show. Yeah. We talked about Nemesis. Yeah. But you have these this background. I didn't realize you actually <laughs> are into the martial arts. It is I, kind was, of- I was in the martial arts. Okay. Yeah, I, in my, in, I started studying when I was about uh, slowly by 15, 16, because my older brother would beat the share out of me. I said, and I said, I'm going to. I'm gonna learn martial arts and kick your ass. Right. So I started about learning martial arts, and you know, as an actor, whatever you can do, whether it's playing a musical instrument or learn martial arts or sing or whatever that you have talent. Of, which I I recently just sung on a western that I did first time on screen oh, wow. uh, song in western we shot two years ago came out of here called Warpath. So if you want to see me sing, I tried to. I, try, I said, look, I, I, I said to the director, I said, look, I don't sing. And honestly, you don't want me singing. So can we cut it out? And he goes, no, no, it's, it's really important to the character. And so it's an, old, it's, an old, it's an old folk song. So I think I was able to pull it off, but that was fun. So if you're able to have any talents like that, just, you know, eat good, work out and sing or Dance, right. whatever it is it'll 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 a lot of people i mean you go against you fight with or fight against like world-class sugarfoot oh cunningham yeah. betty the jet keith cook olivia yeah, betty the jet was it amazing just, yeah i killed him 
Right. It just, but yes. it's crazy because it's like you are fighting these legends. I know. Benny was a legend. We were filming. Uh, we were filming, and we were, it was down in Irvine. Uh, kickboxer. No, that was uh, that was blood match. No blood match. Yes. Blood match. Yes. And, yes. And then the girl kills me at the. So we were filming, and uh, uh, there was a boxing thing going on, and I, you know. I live in Van Nuys. Benny's Jet Center was in Van Nuys. But ben, 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 Benny and the Jets, the Elton John song, it's about Benny and the Jets, the Jet Center. I guess he was at a, Elton John was at a tournament and saw, saw Benny and the Jets kicking everyone's ass. I, I don't know, they were winning everything. So he made up a song. So uh, we're driving down and uh, we, we do a couple of scenes and we have a little break and they, in, in the uh, hotel where we were staying at, where we were shooting, they had a boxing tournament in the, in the, in the convention, in the, warehouse or space so it was all set up we go walk in the refs come over to him oh benny oh my god all the boxers come up to him it's like whoa that was really, really impressive so he's definitely a legend uh i was very happy to work with him very nice guy you know he's a badass um and i killed him yeah, it was a great death, <laughs> honorable death. He had, a, he had a, one of his, uh, one of his, uh, the bigger uh, African American guy, have a great, uh, his bear. I think his name was Bear. Big guy. He's like two fifty, six two. I killed him too. But I have a great still. I don't know who took it, but I'm giving him a rich hand. It's one of these. And I catch him in, in the throat, and he's like, I'm going like this, standing up, and then he is. He is horizontal. It's a great shot. He's it's like I'm a musician, a, a, a magician, because he's like just straight back going back. Awesome. Amazing shot. Um, and then I got some, I got we were doing down twisted with Albert, that with Carrie Lowe and Charlie Rocket. Um, got a great, I had my camera, so I was taking a lot of pictures. I got a great shot of Albert on a dolly, Albert Pune on a dolly. He's being he's sitting on the dolly, it's a camera dolly, and they're pushing him in they're you know, he's, he's, he's uh, rehearsing, he's pushing up, and he looks back at me. So everyone's back is to me. And then he looks back at me and he's surrounded by these guys pushing the dolly and the camera and stuff. And it's just him, very pensive, very quiet, looks right in the camera, takes that picture. It's a classic shot of him. Now you've worked on 10 to 12 movies with Albert. Is that something where it's a trust thing where he knows what he's getting from you and you as an actor? Yeah. Know he's going to take care of you yeah, as a director? Again, it's a, it's a, it's a very creative uh, process and, and collaboration. Like, I mean, whatever I wanted to do, I, for the character I did, uh, for Down Twisted, for example, it was, it was scripted as a, 240 pound, dark haired, Greek, muscle bound guy. So I start working out, you know, and right. get, get a little buffed up and uh, went to Vince's gym in Studio City. He's like famous for working actors out and stuff like that. Older guy. Uh, sorry, my wife's calling. I'm not gonna take it. And uh, it just, my screen goes <laughs> off. So whenever anybody calls, it goes onto my computer. Anyway, so uh, so I started working. So I dyed I uh, I dyed my hair dark, and uh, I dyed my hair dark and then black, and it just it didn't look right. It didn't look right for the right. color of my skin and stuff like that. So I bleached my hair. I just bleached it all out. Put a silver cap on my tube. 
stuff. And I had this, I found this really cool blue suede. My name was Demoris and that was inspirational. <laughs> and so I go to the set and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't tell, I didn't tell Albert that I, I, I had bleached my hair out. <laughs> so I go down to the set. Yeah, I, I didn't tell him because I just made the choice. And I go down the set. I'm standing right next to him, and he's like, you know, he didn't even recognize me. And I said, Albert, and my sweet, I said, what do you think? And he like looks at me, and goes, fucking awesome. <laughs> that was great. So, you know, it was fun like that. It was, uh, it was always creative. It was looking for, you know, it's creative impulses and things like that. And, and he knew he could always count on me for something like that. So he called me a lot. I love that. And so would you, to kind of circle all back to the start of the conversation with the, the construction and architecture and all that, as an artist, do you have to prepare yourself, say, when you're doing a movie role differently than say, you got to go do this thing at Sharon Osborne's house? Like, how do you creatively get in place to do what you have to do? That oh, way? yeah, it's totally different. Uh... A movie role, it's it's uh, basically you're by yourself. So what I do is uh, I'll read the script and I'll, and if I get an impulse or something like I'll get an idea, you know, that's the, the kind of like the foundation. And, and I just kind of go from there. Um, how I want to say something or what images come to my mind or I'll make notes on the script and stuff. Same, same thing for when you're reading for the sides or read for a part. Uh, script is you, you, you know, dissected each page and where you want to be emotionally and, you know, what time of day it is and what, you, what you've just gone through, which is probably the bigger thing and where you're going. Uh, uh, um, and then for uh, construction, it's, it's creative, but it's more left brain, uh, you know, acting is more right brain, um, and then construction more, le more left brain. So, and there's a lot more people involved directly with me, because I have to direct them. So I'm more like a director or producer, I guess, in that role, and in the film, I'm just, uh, want to help there's again it's 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 a very similar it's it's a very similar process because to me it's all just a big puzzle correct when you're making a movie it's just a big puzzle there's the beginning and you want to the middle and the end so you just feed you make you shoot this scene and, and you clip it all together you edit it with with construction it's the, it's a big puzzle either you get rid of the puzzle that's there and demolish the house and start rebuilding everything based on because you have plants you have a diagram you have you know what it's supposed to look like and you try to make it better you use better materials or you know whatever love that Basically um, the so, same thing. very creative right or you have to replace a pool and get rid of it but, yes <laughs> uh so before i let you go where's some stuff you have coming up and can people find you on social media uh on social media uh, I'm on, I have a fan, fan page on um, Facebook, Facebook. Yep. and also uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, Tom Matthews one because somebody took Tom Matthews, spelled my name, and everyone thinks of me. Even my friends think of me. <laughs> I have a friend who likes, he likes, he likes everything that Tom Matthews is putting out there, but it's not me. <laughs> uh, and then I have, uh, I set up a, I set up a, uh, a website for, because I do a lot of horror conventions now, not last year, but this right. year and coming up, 
TomMatthews.com. It's got all my, I, I call it my horror picture table. So it's all the pictures that I offer at the horror tape, uh, horror conventions and stuff like that. And some things I, I just don't, I can't bring to the horror conventions. And then uh, coming up, uh, we did, uh, did, the, did the Western that's out there called Warpath and did uh, a horror movie called Killer Therapy, which is really gruesome. The guy who executive produced Never Hike Alone wrote and directed Killer Therapy, Barry J. And it's just, if you're a horror fan, you it's really creepy. You're gonna, you're gonna like it. I, awesome. I, I play the father and of a disturbed uh, child. Uh, it's really cool. And then uh, last year, nothing because of the COVID thing and got Never Hike Alone, uh, Never Hike Again, and hopefully in September. And I just uh, talking to my manager about a, two offers to do uh, two, two horror movies. So, awesome yeah well it's uh this is a great and then doing the conventions i'm going to do be days days of the dead in vegas monroeville and going to uh england for the for the love of horror uh and a nice. bunch of other ones too that i can't remember off the top of my head but yeah so keep them busy That's construction awesome. keeps me busy and it's uh it's it's not a bad life so far no, I love it. Uh, yeah. Tom, this has been amazing. Thank you for the time, the stories, the knowledge. Uh, sure. Be safe. Watch out for zombies. And, you uh, as well. <laughs> and, uh, we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Good talking with you. Bye. Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you liked what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, T-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do.